0: Well, hello. Do you listen to Toby Haydox, Who's Round? <laughs> Only when I'm drunk, sir. Right, well, um, <laughs> to set the scene, this is an unusual one, because I'm going to be interviewing two people who, who's. Connection with Doctor Who is entirely unrelated to one another, apart from the fact that we're all three of us in the same pub in Chiswick. So I'm going to ask them each in turn to tell me who they are and why I'm talking to them about Doctor Who, starting with...
1: Personally, who am I? Yes. (laughs) Yes, my name is Dorota Ray, and I suppose I'm an actress.
0: And uh, this is the first time you've spoken about being in Doctor Who, is that right? Ah, yes, that's correct, yes. And can you remember the name of the story that you were in? Yes,
1: it was Battlefield with the Doctor Sylvester McCoy and there was basically a story about the King Arthur.
0: Yeah, and yes. you got you got turned into a manageable, hooverable mess on the floor.
1: Unfortunately, yes, but at least I was killed by the main character.
0: That's Morgana. true.
1: Morgana. <laughs> so, you know, I feel quite happy being killed by her.
0: And you got to share a helicopter with Nicholas Courtney.
1: Yes, absolutely, and everyone is asking me, was I really flying on my own, <laughs> the helicopter? And of course I'm cheating, and of course I'm saying, yes, absolutely, I trained for two months, you know, and then I (laughs) to fly the helicopter. But the truth is that I had a professional pilot who was teaching me how to operate all the controls and uh, joy blocks and stuff like that. And um, the other interesting part of it is that... Since I was a child, I was always dreaming to have a helicopter. I've got the thing about helicopters. Whenever I see in the sky, oh, a helicopter, a helicopter, I would like to have one. So for me, it was such a great thing to to be... In helicopter and operate helicopter and pretend that I'm flying a helicopter. Did you
0: say that at your audition? Because you've li- you've you, you, you know you've sparkled when you're no, saying no, that. No, no, I
1: haven't. Probably no. That's sort your of enthusiasm gets you. Parts, I don't remember.
0: You
1: know? <laughs> I don't. I only remember that they wanted me to put French accents since I've got my own accent because I'm Polish originally, and. Uh, and then they said well you you'll be united nations officer and i said wow how fantastic and then when i got this blue beret i really felt again wonderful and sort of within so, basically, I enjoyed the whole experience, even though I, I played quite a small part.
0: Oh, no, it's a good part and it's a memorable part. And well, your line when you say, you can get the tab if you like. No, you Mars. know it's which know
1: which one is the best line? When Brigadier is asking me, do you speak Czech? And I said, no, sir, only when I'm drunk. Yes, and <laughs> I brilliant. said, this is such a Polish answer, actually. <laughs>
0: it's a nice bit of character, that.
1: Yes, it it's is, actually, good. because... Now, what, what I don't like, that he leaves her there... You you know, brigadier, and says I'm going to look for help. And of course, then he gets busy with other things, and she somehow sort of, you know, gets herself going. And with a, you know, gun, she, she gets into the pub, and then she gets killed. And
0: then you're Poor killed. Poor girl,
1: she yeah. shouldn't have done it. She no, I was, just, uh, yeah. I was sad. I was sad when it was. Uh, yeah, I was very very sad. It was too 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 soon. You know.
0: But my other guest survived and uh, was actually commended by the writer of his story as being a performance that he thought got spot on. I don't know if anyone's ever told you that so I'm going to ask you, as you bask in
2: that glory, who you are and why I'm talking to you about Doctor Who. My name is Stephen Garlick and I played uh, Hippo Ibbotson in Mordrin Undead. Well, because you,
0: Peter Grimwade wrote that story partially because he hated being at boarding school and he'd written certain characters and I remember him saying that he hadn't thought the matron was correct because he'd written her as a harridan and she'd actually played it very sweetly and he said, no, she was supposed to be awful. He said, but the performance that really nailed it
2: was Stephen Garlick. So there we go. Well, that's the first time I've ever heard that, Toby. So that's great to hear. Good. So, that's that's nice great. One. Yeah, yeah. Because when I look back on it, I mean... I mean, it was a, it was a relatively small part. I, I felt really, you know, he was he was there, and uh, of course Turlo was making his life a, a misery as we all, as we all, as we all sort of uh, found out when we were watching it. But uh, I, I, uh, I wish looking back on it, I don't know. I, it was great being in Doctor Who, but I don't know. It's just, it'd been great to have been a, a, an alien or something like that, you know. <laughs> maybe because everybody who was an alien in, in the Doctor Who's going back many many years all, all sounded as if they had some sort of uh, chess problems because <laughs> they, all, they all said Doctor
0: you will die Doctor get off
2: this planet or something like that but uh, no I'm, I'm very proud to have been associated with the Doctor Who uh, history really so.
0: Well, yeah. Instead
2: of saying doctor, you've got to say, "Oh, please, Turlo." Uh, yeah, I, I did. Yeah, uh, Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not knocking it, but I, I just I, when I look back on it, I just think, uh, "Oh, I don't know." I mean, I was I was actually very very envious of Mark Strix, who was being introduced as the new character. I thought, "Oh, wouldn't it be great to be a you know a regular character in it?" But looking back on it, I'm I'm very pleased that uh, the, the character of uh, Ibbotson is, was was uh, was taken to, and people felt sorry for him, and and uh, and people today here in the uh, Uh, autograph session, you know, they've been fantastically complimentary, which is really nice after all these years to uh, still hear of people, you know, enjoying it after all this time.
0: Well, actually, I've just sort of a link that we can actually link you together because you are both people who are in stories who got to interact with Nicholas Courtney when he was returning to Doctor Who after a break. So this is the (laughs) Nicholas Courtney Memorial podcast. It is, yes.
2: I enjoy working with Nicholas Courtney. I mean, God bless him. He was such a... Nobody has, has, has ever said a bad word against him. He was... He was lovely and great company, and I was very fortunate that I was able to work with him in radio drama for the BBC. Later on, um, that's when we started working on the on the radio. It was oh hi, yeah, we did a Doctor Who together. That's right, you know. And it was, and he was such a nice guy, and had some wonderful stories of his time back in the uh, in the Trout and Pertwee. Yes, yeah, yeah. of course, you know, when he first appeared as Lethbridge Stewart. And, uh, yeah, lovely, lovely man. Really enjoyed working with him. Sadly
0: missed. Sadly missed. And you both worked with a different Doctor Who. So what do you remember of your Doctor, Mr McCoy? Um,
1: funny now that you ask, because I, I just came back from Cardiff, from this Doctor Who uh, experience oh, centre. Yes. Mm. And there was one section that the chap was discussing, the costumes and his favourite Doctors or whatever. And he said, my favorite, really, and the costume was Sylvester McCoy's, because he liked these question marks on his pullover, you know, he had underneath. I thought he was very, very amusing. I mean, as a person as well, he was charming and a wonderful person to, to act with. But as a doctor, he had lots of charm and, and he was funny. And that's what I liked about him.
0: And what about Peter, who only had the one question mark on each <laughs> lapel? He, yeah. The question marks spawned each other as they went on. I
2: think. No, I, I think uh, Peter was absolutely fantastic as the doctor. You know, he, he he looked good. I mean, he was a, a younger doctor at that time, wasn't he? You know, back yeah. in in the early 80s. So I, I think he sort of uh, fitted the bill. Perfectly, and he certainly related not only to the established audience but to the younger audience who were just getting into the uh, into the program at that time. So, uh, yes, uh, I didn't have any sort of uh, sort of scenes with with Peter as the Doctor, but uh, no, as soon as he was cast as as, as the as the one, then I, I thought he was really good. Yeah, really enjoyed working with him.
0: Mm. And the, the director obviously also always makes a difference to a to a television production in terms of how it how it comes across, and also obviously he's the keystone to who you're working with. And Peter Moffat was very much the director. Of the old school yes wasn't he?
2: yes he was yes no I mean it was, uh, Peter was 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 great I mean when I went for the audition he it wasn't I didn't have to read for the part of him it, at all you know he kind of said look this is this this character is, is available would you like to be in it and I sort of you know Jumped at the chance, really. I mean, I did, I'd said earlier on it would have been good to have been a unrecognisable alien with all the makeup, but um, when he offered me the part of Ibbotson I thought, yeah, well, why not? Yeah, it's you know, you don't get offered a part in Doctor Who every day, and um, yeah, it was a very easy, easy time doing Mordred Undead. Peter knew exactly what was required. Uh, Peter Davidson, obviously, you know, was establishing himself as well. Um, so it, it flowed very nicely yes. through the whole, the whole, uh, ep, you know, episodes I was in. No, and then we did all the lo- all the location stuff, and then we just did all the interiors back at uh, TV Centre. Peter was on the case, directing, knew where everything was, and yeah, it was a very, very fun experience. And uh, as I said, all this time later, to be still associated and remembered. for it, It it's
1: wonderful I think everything was uh, very professional because we had lots of things with technology and uh, helicopters for example Um, and everything was just tip top and the producer was sitting with the television screen just watching if we're doing the right or wrong or whatever I don't remember any hiccups no that's good. Everything went
0: smoothly. Well, the, the thing about these podcasts is that we, we start with Doctor Who, but I'm also very interested in you as people, because, you know, Doctor Who is just a very small part of, of, of a life and a career, so were you always going to act? And, and being based in the UK as somebody from Poland, does that make you as an actor... Uh, you know that certain parts are going to be unavailable to you, or do you get oh, tight Absolutely.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. I was quite surprised that um, they asked me for Doctor Who. But... Um, I don't know, probably the director thought, why not? Why can't she have an accent? And, and those days, as I said, I mean, it didn't matter. I never, never played really Polish parts as such, because I don't really look very Polish. So I always play enigmatic foreigners, basically. <laughs> uh, so they didn't mind what kind of accent, as long as I've got an accent. So we were playing either French or this or that, and, and then I created some very strange accent. <laughs>
0: And were you always going to act? Did you, did you train in... Oh, yes, I know.
1: Uh, I was trained in uh, in Warsaw uh, for four years, uh, the Warsaw Academy of Drama. But then I came for British Council Theatre Scholarship. And that's how I found myself here for six months. And now I work in Cardiff, Cardiff Laboratory Theatre. And then I got my first part in 86, in Blood, in Sunday premiere, with... Um, Ian Holm and uh, lots of wonderful uh, actors, Robert Hardy, etc., etc. And since then, you know, I started really working quite well.
2: And you were a child, actually, weren't you, Stephen. Yes, I was, Toby. I'd just like to say that all my performances uh, were—I were, did—I did them in a Lithuanian accent, and all my performances <laughs> have subsequently been dubbed, so you, <laughs> <laughs> all of, you never actually hear my proper voice. No, um, I, yeah, I did start off. I started off at uh, stage school. I went to the famous uh, Corona Academy stage school, not very far from here, down in Hammersmith, and uh, it was a very famous school in as much as the um, well-known names came from the school, like Richard O'Sullivan, um, Dennis Waterman um, and, of course, Nicholas Lindhurst from Only Fools and Horses fame, all started at Corona. So I started as a sort of child actor uh, doing commercials for TV. Uh, My first trip into space was actually a schools programme called The Boy From Space, which is actually still, it's got a bit of a cult following to it. You know, remember when kids used to go to school and used to, the TV would come out in the classroom and you'd see, you know, and you'd learn, how, you'd learn things from watching TV programmes. Well, The Boy From Space was the first thing I did um, uh, back in the early 70s. And then after that, I did a, a children's series called The Adventures of Black Beauty. Uh, for ITV, and then as I got older, I did other things, you know. Um, did went into rep when there was a when there was a rep to go into, you know, and sort of learn my theatrical craft doing that, uh, uh, ironing out the Lithuanian accent by then, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, and that's how it all started for me. So yeah, child actor, jobbing actor, sorry, jobbing actor throughout really, and um, that's that's how it all started for me really. Yeah,
0: yeah. And since Doctor Who, so because we've you've, we found we found you here in Chiswick, but you're in Yorkshire, but you've been in Australia as well. So um, what's, what's all this no globe trotting?
1: Ke- no, actually, I just came back from Paris just oh. t- two days ago. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm moving around. I'm sort of globalized actress now. I'm based in Australia actually, but I'm six months in Europe. So I work a lot in Poland, Great Britain. And then a little bit in Australia, because Australia doesn't really have film industry as much. I do a lot of radio for Australia, which is very strange, but <laughs> that's what happened. Commercials and things like that. So, uh, yes, uh, I'm planning to go back in October to, to Australia. So, basically, I avoid winter and, uh, and it suits me very well.
0: That you've got it all the right way round, <laughs> yes, I think. Well, you think that making the, the the journey from child actor to adult actor um, is, is is a difficult one, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is very very difficult. And uh, uh, there there came a point where you know I wasn't getting as much. Uh, acting work as I I used to and uh, I had to make uh, a few choices but thankfully one of the choices that was made for me was to go into radio as well I did a lot of uh, radio drama for the BBC I was a member of the, the radio drama company with Nick Courtney, as I as I it's mentioned earlier on, yeah, work. yeah, and the, you don't have to learn any lines. That's the yeah. great thing. But you have to te- you have to turn the page though in a particular way. Oh, but the
1: concentration, you and the microphone, is just yes. bizarre. And it's really on its own, very specific.
2: But you well, I worked with so many wonderful people doing the radio drama, so that was great. I was able to do a bit of that, and then after I'd done that, I did a bit more, did a couple more things, did some. I did a single drama play for Yorkshire TV with Geoffrey Palmer and Richard Pascoe, an old Irving Wardle play called The Houseboy, and I, was, I did that. I suppose that was my sort of swan song, really, I suppose, really, as far as being a... Uh, on the cusp of being a sort of a teenage, sort of adult actor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so what happened then, I decided that I needed to do something uh, uh, that paid the bills and what have you, And uh, thankfully I had some people who I knew in in TV who uh, wanted to get in on the digital age. So uh, I became a partner in an audio and video production company. And that's what uh, takes up all my time now. So we do uh, commercials, um, we do training films, that type of thing, you know. And uh, that's what kind of keeps me busy now. Uh, I still do a bit of radio. I do a bit of uh, presenting actually on the radio. I do a Sunday breakfast show for a local station up in Bedfordshire called Biggles FM look up on the website you'll see me there Sunday mornings doing my little sort of show on the breakfast time so I still dabble you know still dabble but my, my mo- main source of income now is through the production company that I work for
0: Well I think as has been a common theme through our discussions sort of on and off right, is the acting landscape is very different to, to the no. one that was yeah, in absolutely. existence when you worked on Doctor Who mm.
1: No, I think these days. I mean, especially for me, being uh, having an accent and uh, knowing five languages. Because since Doctor Who, I really got into languages quite a lot. Mm. I just found myself in all different countries suddenly working, and it really became globalized. And uh, I have an agent in Australia, I have in Great Britain, and I have in Poland and it's just uh, amazing how suddenly you know i find myself working completely strange environment and uh, not anymore you have to be in equity you have to be based in london you have to etc etc or Los Angeles or New York. No, you don't. Not it's all about world.
0: adapting this business, really, mm-hmm. isn't it? And, yes. And, and,
2: and keeping going. Yes. I'm still a member of Equity, I hate to well, say. I'm right? a member. And I'm, I'm a, a a a open for that, that, that last big part. you know. There's a, there might be one more part in me, Toby, that I'd like yeah, to have a go but at. But you it, see,
1: really? the difference, you've just asked. Just the other day, I had an audition, which they asked me from Great Britain in Poland. So on my iPad, I recorded my audition... They send me the text, obviously, and I send it back to London. I mean, that's how it works, so it doesn't matter where you live now. And if they want you, they, they will pay your expenses, or so even you say, well, I'm ready for the part to pay my own expenses if the part is worth it. So it really changed dramatically.
0: Well, indeed, I mean, I do a lot of voiceovers. And, yeah. um, I just get an email from my voiceover agent who says, do it as an MP3 file and mark
2: it as this, mm. send it over. Yeah. If you get it, you get it. And if you don't, you don't it doesn't matter because you've yeah, just done it from home. But it's wonderful. Right. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's really great, I think.
2: I'm, I'm lucky I've got a studio at home and I do exactly the same thing. I've... <laughs> I got a script through to do something for Premier Radio the other day uh, you know, which is a religious, I don't know what I'm laughing for but it's a religious radio station here in London so uh, yeah, I, I do, I dabble in voiceovers I don't do as many as probably you do Toby you're making up your fortune of course but I like to, I, I do a little bit here and there because it's good to still do a performance of some kind You know, why are you blushing Toby, you are blushing <laughs>
0: just, just thinking about my bank account I don't think it's- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just wondering if the taxman's listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, look, we, I said I would take up Not time. I'm very grateful for you to give to giving it. Uh, but with the three three more questions, I said first is uh, this is a very you know we're at a Doctor Who event. We've met Doctor Who for the first uh, fans for the first time. What what do you think it is about Doctor Who that uh, that still has this grip on people?
1: Um, that's a very good question. Uh, we we were actually discussing before you came. To interview us, um, I think it's it's that charm and that um, it's still quite simple, you know, comparing all these mega hits in America. It would be so easy with the technology to change Doctor Who into mm-hmm. a- Americanized uh, product, uh, but it, it's got this English charm, uh, and even though maybe. For some people, it's too simple, but somehow that draws other fans to it. I think that's what it is. What do you think? I think,
2: I think a lot of credit should be given to obviously Stephen Moffat and what he, what, what he has brought to this sort of new generation of, of fans who have been sort of enjoying this latest sort of incarnation of Doctor Who. You know, uh, obviously, the last sort of 10 years have been amazing, but his storytelling, I like the way that he kind of looks back over the former Doctors. I mean, where, where did Doctor Who come from? Gallifrey. I mean, you know, and where he was the last of the Time Lords. I mean, I just think he sort of, he sort of brought everything up to date and I think he's refreshed it and, and, and made it more, you know, understandable for a, for a, a younger audience as, as well as, of course, the uh, well-established ones who have been here today. I just think that, you know, he takes, has to take a lot of his credit for uh, what he's done. I, d- I just think, yes, it's its charm, it, you know, the, there's, there's no... I mean, you never see any blood in Doctor Who, do you? No, no, no. You know? very rarely. Yeah. V- very rarely. Well, but
1: you saw the dust of me, that's yes. something. Yeah. Yes. They even asked me if I want to take it home.
0: <laughs> you could <laughs> have your I own urn. <laughs> 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 Stick it on the mantelpiece. <laughs> yes.
2: I've never been the same, actually, since my my, my uh, big uh, crush on uh, Katie Manning. Who, ah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Because it was, I think it was the boots she used to wear back in the early seventies that did it for me, Um, uh, and I've never been the same since. You know, uh, my my favorite time of (laughs) (laughs) no, John Pertwee was my as a as a boy growing up was my favorite Doctor, Um, and I I think it's also worth you know mentioning the two films that were made. I mean, Peter Cushion I don't think is given as much credit I think really for his contribution to to the, se- to the series, really, and uh, I mean, in fact, the, the the films have just recently been uh, brought out on, on Blu-ray. Yeah, they've all been sort of you know completely yeah. cleaned up and everything. And, and in fact, I, the, the, the little girl who played Susan, the grand yeah. Roberta Tovey, yeah. Tove went to guess where Corona Academy in the States was. So I grew up with her. You see, back in the sixties, had a big crush on, on Roberta Tovey. Actually, yeah, she was lovely. Yeah, um, but that's yeah.
1: another interview. That's another it? interview.
2: We <laughs> could <laughs> go go. Yeah. That's, no but I, I I yeah I think everybody has, all the actors have brought their own their own personality to to the Doctor. so it's an, it's an ever evolving thing really isn't it you know
0: Yeah like, and what I love is that you you just seem to have crawled out of a fanboy closet that you had been hiding in Stephen I'm so. you, you know far too much uh, Katie Manning is here tomorrow by the way so well you, I'm getting a hotel to stay hide, staying hide under the table she you <laughs> <to laughs> Yes for well, the signature well, you've very kindly given me your time, uh, so you get to nominate a charity to which you listeners, and it's you've got two interviewees, listeners. So there's two charities to give to today, which is only fair. So, uh, what's your charity?
1: Well, I think uh, any charity that deals with
2: cancer.
0: <clears throat> okay, and I will, I will do a link to cancer research i please. think
2: is probably yes, the most yes. straightforward Pam Stephen uh Sergeant, cancer charity of children
0: okay. lovely okay so please give to those so the final question is an awful one but i sort of st- i set myself a precedent with the first one It was an act of desperation and i'm so asperger's that i have to ask it to everybody is uh doctor is 50 years old this year so what is your message to the doctor who fans out there on this special occasion
1: 100 more years
0: that's <laughs> more more, more years of royalties <laughs> yes <laughs> One
2: right here, yeah, <laughs> no. Here, here's yes. Here's to the next uh, fifty. I'm looking forward to the, the the big episode, which is I think at Christmas time. Yeah, isn't November, it? Well, November, November and yeah. the
0: Christmas one, but yeah. November's the big, big one. Yes, it's well, November August. the twenty third, the day after the assassination of John F. Kennedy yeah. was when Doctor yeah, Who started. Very yeah. good time. Yeah. yeah, everyone was watching the telly.
2: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: oh well, look, uh, Stephen and Andrew, bless you. Thank you very much. Thank for you. talking to me about Doctor Who.
2: Thank you. very Thanks, Toby. Much. Thank
0: you. Big thanks to Dexter and Paul and Ian at Phantom Films, who are great supporters uh, of this podcast, and uh, who allowed me to attend their event because they'd got that eclectic pairing, and uh, uh, I was tickled by the idea of talking to both of those people. Their charities are Click Sergeant, spelt C-L-I-C-S-A-R-G-E-N-T, ClickSergeant dot. And cancerresearchuk.org. Please give if you can. Um, okay, I'm going to be generous and start doing trailers again because I've just fulfilled the writing deadline. So, this is who's coming up in the next edition of Toby Hadoop's Who's Round, which you can listen to probably within the next week or so. Uh, thanks for listening and goodbye for now.
2: He kept um, casting me in these sort of villainous roles because he he just, he just said he liked photographing my dark old face, you know. Um, so I constantly had to be a bit tougher than I actually am. I remember first thing I did for Dougie was the Sweeney, and um, and I had to duff somebody up because I was this I was another henchman, Peter Vaughan's henchman, um, in the Sweeney and. Uh, and so I did my best to sort of duff this character up in, in terms of the script. And uh, the fight director came to me and said, you've never hit anyone before, have you? And I went, no, how did you know? <laughs> See, you don't hit people like that. You hit people like this, boss, you know. And he taught me sort of how to, how to fight because physically I just didn't have that, uh, that ability. Hold your horses, what's this? A History of Earth, volume 36,379, by Kronos Vad. (laughs) Kronos Vad, who the devil is he? Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, the worlds of Big Finish. We're not just talking about any book, we're talking about an object that shouldn't exist. And you say this book
0: is of great importance? Oh, you cannot begin to imagine.
1: (laughs) Any idea as to its origins? There's only one place it could have come
0: from, and that's the Archive. A near infinite library containing every book that ever was and ever will be. Larger than the British Library? Yes, it's bigger than the whole flipping solar system. It's a near infinite library. Goodness me. There are very few cultures anywhere in the universe that do not believe in a doomsday.
1: And is it true this book predicts the end of the world?
0: Yes, if one believes in that sort of thing. And it says the world will end this month? This week, in fact. And in rather extraordinary circumstances.
2: That book is the most important ever written.
0: Oh, really? They're gonna destroy it, you realize? Who is? The Gomegog.
2: And they are...
0: They are practically ubiquitous. From the very first
2: traces of intelligent life to the present day. You make them sound like gods. We want this world and everything in it. And if you're so powerful,
0: why don't you take it? Why bother with this charade? To everything there is a season. And a time to every purpose under the heaven. <sighs> a time to be born and a time to die. And there shall come... From the space between spaces, the great darkness of Gomegog. One by one, they shall conquer worlds and end them in all universes.
2: I have a feeling that what we have seen here is but a fragment of something considerably larger in scale a plot, or rather, plots more intricate than even I shall ever truly understand. Fascinating. I do love a good mystery. Don't you? Big Finish. We love stories.